Good morning and welcome to Monday morning, November the 8th in 2021 on Winter Rise. Today we start year B, proper week 28, which is the 25th Sunday after Pentecost. We're getting closer and closer to the, to the end of year B at the start of the new church calendar year, which will be at the beginning of Advent, which leads us to Christmas. So I know, you already knew that. I just felt like I should rehash that. So uh, on Mondays, we like to take a look at the Old Testament passage from the Revised Common Lectionary for the week. So we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel, very beginning, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 4 through 20. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our day praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making this part of your morning on Winter Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 4 through 20. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Pinnah and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. Then Pinnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Pinnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears, he would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, If you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire life, and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. And as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here to be drunk? He demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant your request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat, and she was no longer sad. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. This is the word of God for us. What I admire about filmmakers is that oftentimes they'll take an epic story, like all the famous films and stories that we love, and they try to imagine an origin story. Like they would just they ask the, the critical question of what what beginning made this story so powerful, and so they come up with a story of where all of our heroes come from. Now, people who have uh, you know high standards for the movies that they love, a lot of times they don't like origin stories because it doesn't seem to I don't know. Fit, fulfill all their needs and all their all their curiosity about where their heroes come from. But I like the attempt. And what we find in the great epics, even in the Bible, the great towering figures, 
um, what we find is that they all have a strong origin story. And uh, Samuel is no different. So this is obviously the book of Samuel. There's two of them, obviously. So we have to find out where did he come from? Because we know who, who he's going to become. He's going to be this great prophet that serves as a as a liminal figure in liminal space. So Israel's going from one way of doing life together to another way of doing life together. And so they need someone to shepherd them in this huge transition. More like an interim pastor, interim minister of a church, right? And so here comes Samuel. And we wonder, well, where, where did he come from? Like, how did this all begin? And so we we would assume, and I think this is uh, this challenges, these origin stories are good because they challenge our assumptions. We assume that those who are towering figures, these idealized human figures, that they had great marvelous upbringings, that they had it all easy and that it was all handed to them, right? And so they got like a head start, you know, in the process. But what wisdom literature does is it actually says the opposite. It's like most people who are towering, idealized figures actually had a challenging beginning. And so um, Samuel's story starts out with a challenge. His mom was desperate to be a wife and a mother, and she is a wife, but she's not a mother, and the other uh, wife that her husband has taunts her because she has no children. She feels like she's been left out and forgotten by the Lord, and so when they go up to do the sacred duty of offering sacrifices, you know, where they should be focusing on the Lord and focusing on their own spirituality, uh, Hannah's got one request. She wants to be a mom, and um, all this comes to a fever pitch. Uh, one critical year where she is praying and Eli the high priest sees her carrying on and he assumes she's drunk right and it's the exact opposite she's like I'm not a wicked woman um, one who's given over to excess but I'm a woman of deep anguish and I desire um, I desire a blessing from the Lord and Eli promises that she would have it and there's like no evidence but she goes away with full faith that God is going to give her Uh, what she pleases. And here comes Samuel. And he is born in the midst of all this turmoil, the turmoil of competition and envy and rivalry, uh, the turmoil of blessing being held back, um, in the midst of a moment where a person has to live by faith and not by sight. And she does. And in the midst of all of that, Samuel is born. And it's based on this vow that his mom Hannah gave to God. She's like, even though this will be my first this first child, uh, first son, and I would love to cherish him on my own. I am so dedicated to you that I will give my first child back to you for your service. I mean, what what a moment here. So you've got a couple of truths that come to the top of the service. Truth number one is that oftentimes uh, those who uh, achieve greatness, they start they come from a place of lowliness. They know how to lose. From a, They come from a place of loss. And because of that, uh, they know how to uh, bear up under pressure. They know how to persevere during pain and sadness and emptiness. And they know how to handle blessing because they know what it's like to go without. So when they have some finally, they know how to steward it with goodness and in truth, right? So that's the first thing. And the second thing is to walk by faith, right? So here's Hannah. Like, she... She has no proof that uh, this high priest, only because of his high position, he could have just been saying anything to get her out of there, right? But she believes what he says, and she goes back convinced that she's going to receive uh, the, the, the deep cry of her heart, right? And so this ultimately tells us about uh, what it means to live by faith. You know, some scholars say that uh, Samuel's story is Israel in miniature. I mean, you think about it, Israel surrounded by nations with plenty, and they're like this gutsy little community that's trying to box out 
uh, not just a meager existence, but an ex- existence of legacy and promise for the sake of the nations, right? And uh, their, their birth through prayer, right? The Israelites were slaves in Egypt and they raised their voices for 400 years because of the turmoil that they're experiencing from Egypt. And God hears their prayer, right? And he sets them apart for the work of service. And so what's also neat about this is this is a bit of a backdoor cut, is that what we see in Samuel's life is what we see in Israel's story. And I think that's another important truth for us is that we don't just have stories in absence from a greater story that we're surrounded in. And so one of the things that we need to begin to articulate for our own Christian life is how does my life fit into the great story that's unfolding what God is doing in the world around me? How how is God sending me into the world? Not just how I'm being entertained spiritually until my earthly existence is over, but how is what God is doing in me? How does it correlate with what's God doing in the world? Or we could say it this way, what is God doing in the world and how is that calling out to me? How can I join this missional God into the world around me that God loves so much? So a lot greets us here on Monday morning. So with all these themes in mind, let's spend some time praying to God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you as we greet this day. We thank you for the life you give us, the air in our lungs, the schools and jobs, families, um, the different extracurricular activities that we are called to today and this week. We thank you that it didn't have to happen this way. We could have been uh, surrounded by nothing, and we could have nothing going on, uh, completely full schedules. Uh, but you have found us, allowed us to find ways to fill them with promise and purpose. And so we know today and this week that stretches out in front of us, that is brimming with opportunity. And so we thank you for a chance to set our souls on living into the depth of our faith. And we thank you for Samuel's story. We thank you that his name means, I ask the Lord. And we thank you that at the heart of that truth is uh, we as your people can call to you. We can ask you and you hear us and you respond. And so God, we, um, we're like Hannah, some of us are. We greet this morning with a lack and we, um, in deep anguish, we raise our voices and we ask God that you would hear our prayer. Perhaps it's a financial lack or a health lack or a loved one is in a place of hurts or turmoil or pain. And we ask on their behalf that you would respond. God, we thank you that Samuel's story is wrapped in the larger story of his people. And we thank you that we don't live in absence, that it's not uh, me and Jesus alone, but we are we live in community and we live in a big communal story, a worldwide story that's unfolding. So God, many of us are asking what's next. We're asking what, what, what should we do? So we pray that we have eyes to see what you're doing in our neighborhoods. Eyes to see what you're doing in our workplaces. Eyes to see what you're doing in our city. And I pray that as we contemplate all of that, we might begin to ask then, what's our part? Uh, what can we do? Where's our piece of that puzzle? And I pray that you would speak to us, you would embolden us, you give us wonder and curiosity for those things. And we want to be a sent people. We don't want to just be entertained and just wait around until we die. Like We want to squeeze every drop out of this life. And so we pray that you'd fill us with your spirit today, fill us with enthusiasm, and fill us uh, with the strength and the power needed to live faithfully today. So God, we love you. Set us apart, we ask, just like you set apart Samuel for your work and for your service. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.